really glad to have you here today and so thankful for our youth. Wow, I'm just, thank you, God, again for what you're doing in our youth group. And some of you are proud parents or grandparents, aunts and uncles, and, uh, and thank you for the way you're investing in your, in your youth and also entrusting them to our youth ministry here at uh, Grace, just lots of good things happening. Hey, before we dig into our message, let me just mention, this is the service that gets a little more crowded, and which is, we, we love having the worship time together, but the parking also gets a little bit crazy. And I wanted to let you know that, in case you're not aware, you're newer to Grace, that we have three campuses. We have Lorraine Correctional, uh, which is hard to attend unless you're a volunteer. Uh, and then we have two that are more easily attendable, and one is this one, and then Olmstead Falls. If you're wondering, hey, where's Olmstead Falls? That's what the outside of the building looks like. It's at 6941 Columbia Road. It's the same service, same message, worship leaders. And then you go inside, and, uh, and if you, that's what it looks like on the inside. So if you haven't been there, you're like, wow, I didn't know it was that big. And so they have probably 350 people from Grace who, who are part of that uh, campus. So if that ever works for you, that's 10 o'clock every Sunday morning. And you'll even see our Christmas Eve services. We have uh, 10 a.m. and 7 p.m. at Olmsted Falls. And then here at Middleburg, we're going to have 9, 11, 1, and 3. And so I'll speak at five of those. I'll miss one will be on video. But uh, so I wanted to let you know about that. Okay? Good to have you here. So this past April, about 40-some people from Grace, we, we took a a trip to Israel, to the West Bank, and, and just got to see the places that you go, wow, this is the real place like Abraham and Sarah, or that Jesus you know, raised this person from the dead, or that he came back to life. And you just, it, it, it was really cool, which also makes us feel more keenly uh, what's happening there right now. There was a word, though, when we were there that uh, we grew to love. It's a greeting that is a Hebrew term that many of you know, that when you see someone in the street, you go, hey, shalom, right? And so I say to you, shalom, and you say back, shalom. And it's this Hebrew word that you find all through the scriptures that um, is peace. And it's not just like, hey, peace, man, how you doing? And it's not just the absence of conflict. It This term shalom is this all-encompassing, like, I want favor on your life. Like, I want you to be well in every way. I want you to be a harmony in your relationships. You can even speak it for creation, shalom, that all of the brokenness and the stuff that's wrong, you go, I, I want this to be made whole. And so you tell people, shalom, shalom. It's really what we long for, isn't it? That in this anxious world that we could say, if I can just experience peace within. I think we, we, we all long for that, right? That's, there's, it's a heart desire. And yet we look at the news and whether it's in Cleveland or our nation, or then you see things like there in Ukraine and the atrocities and unjust war, or then you move to the Middle East and you think of the brutal attack on, on uh, innocent civilians in Israel and now so many children and parents who are losing their lives in Gaza. And every single person matters to God. Everyone. And we just, we cry out, God, we long for peace. I rediscovered a poem by a guy named Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Maybe you remember that name. He lived in the 1800s, and he wrote a poem called Christmas Bells, 
which he wrote on Christmas Day in 1863, right in the height of the Civil War. His longing uh, for shalom was personal. In 1861, uh, Henry's wife, his second wife, his first wife had died, his second wife, uh, Frances, of 18 years, she died in a tragic fire in their home from burns that, that took her life. Two years later, in 1863, in March, uh, he found out his son was gone, and he found out his 19-year-old son, Charlie, had, had secretly gone off to fight for Union forces. Within months, was uh, shot in the back, was not killed, but it was, it was a severe wound. He ended up coming home in December of that year of 1863 to, to recover from his significant injuries. Two weeks later on Christmas Day, uh, Henry, this writer, sat down and wrote a poem reflecting on this yearning for peace. And you can almost, when you hear his words, you just, you feel the sense of fear and anxiety in his words. Here's just one stanza. He writes this, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. No peace on earth, he said. I mean, he's thinking of what happened the night Jesus came into the world when it said, peace on earth, could, you know, and he says, hate is strong and mocks this song. It's a desperate lament for peace, isn't it? I'm going to come back to him because he doesn't finish there, nor will we. But it's a cry for peace. And it's not just what's happening out there, it's within our own souls, right? reading an author recently, Gavin Orland, and Gavin said this. He, he put it this way. He said, if I had one word with which to describe the world right now, it might be the word anxiety. Sometimes it feels like there is a gnawing angst everywhere. I think especially younger people are experiencing this, he writes. I wonder what it is for you that creates anxiety could be that you just go, my life is overall just stress. I'm spinning so many plates. There might be financial pressures where you're feeling stuck or maybe under a weight of debt. It could be health concerns where the doctor's given news to, to, to you or for someone you love and you go, wow, I, I just, maybe it's anxiety over people that we really care about. I'm being transparent, that's me. I have some people in my life that I love a ton, that are in a season of their life that I long to see a new chapter be written. And sometimes as I pray, I just feel my own sense of powerlessness. It's not that I don't trust God, but I long for another chapter to be. There's anxiety. There's the epidemic of loneliness. And you know, sometimes we think loneliness affects just like older people maybe who have left their jobs and a lot of their friends and or maybe they've had people who die. And, but did you know that, I read this week that Gen Z, Gen Zers are twice as likely to experience this sense of feeling lonely than people over 65. In fact, maybe you saw in the news this week, it came out from the CDC that in 2022, that more Americans committed suicide in that year, the last year for which we have records, than any other year in record in our history. 
And to make matters even worse, maybe you have seen like whenever they talk about someone took their life and uh, you, you see there's the number of the suicide crisis hotline, they go, hey, if you're feeling any kind of, you know, this, you know, here's a number you can call. They took 2 million calls in 2021 and yet there were 300,000 unanswered calls. We long for peace, don't we? For some of you, this is personal. Talked to a guy this week who told me about his son dying by suicide and my heart ached for him. And it's so many other things that might be like, man, it's just my workplace is crazy. And we long for shalom, right? Friends, can I tell you, I am so grateful that that's what Christmas is all about. That we have this candle that we light, this second candle of the Advent wreath, and that candle signifies peace. That the child who was born into that Bethlehem stable would break into our sin-sick world to bring peace, shalom. It's why Jesus came. So what I want to do here is I want us to look at the problem what does the Bible say about the, the diagnosis? And then what's the solution? We're going to wind up, I know I've begun sort of like, wow, but, I, but we have anxiety. But, but Jesus came to, to free us from that. Let's take a look, Isaiah chapter 48. Isaiah 48 it's, is sort of a, some have said like a Cliff's Nose version of the Bible. There's 66 books in the Bible, 66 chapters in Isaiah. There are 39 books of the Old Testament uh, and 27 in the New. And, and Isaiah, you have 39 chapters of, of judgment, and you have 27 chapters of good news, of God's restoration. So that's why some have called this the gospel according to Isaiah. It's a book that's quoted in the New Testament uh, about 80 times. And it's written 700 BC, so it's a long time before Jesus comes. But let's take a look. Uh, by the way, if you didn't get notes on the way in, uh, you can uh, also check out our website, gracehema.org, or just download the Grace app, and you'll see the message notes there. Uh, we're going to see our ultimate hope for anxiety and how you and I can experience the wonder of shalom, not just at Christmas, but today and all of our tomorrows. So Isaiah chapter 48, welcome to all of you who are uh, with us from Lorraine Correctional and also uh, those of you who are watching uh, online from lots of different places around the country and around the world, we, we love you. We're glad to have you with us today. Isaiah chapter 48, uh, here's what the Lord says to his people. He says, if only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace, that is your shalom, would have been like a what? A river. Some of you know songs use those words, your well-being like the waves of the sea. Now, that's if we follow the Lord. And if we don't, drop down to verse 22. He says this, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Do we hear God's heart? He says that he wants to pour out peace like a river, a river of shalom. He says it's like waves that just keep on coming, like the peace just keeps on coming in on the shore, you know? But he says, when we get outside of God's plans for our lives, we lack peace. When we ignore him, no peace. And so the people of that day, like our own, had this collective longing for shalom. And God, in his infinite you know, grace and just his limitless love for them and for us, he makes a promise some 700 years before Jesus arrives. God makes a promise that there would be a prince of peace. 
a prince of peace. Let's see how. If you go back a number of chapters to Isaiah chapter 9, God speaks through the prophet announcing the coming of this majestic figure, one who would heal and restore and reign. And here's what we read in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We read, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. One of his four titles is what? The Prince of Peace. The word there is sar Shalom, S-A-R. You want to say it with me? Sar Shalom. It's Prince of Peace. And, and, and what that means is this, that he's the one who can remove all peace-disturbing factors and secure the peace. It's something that sets this, this Messiah apart from every other human ruler. I mean, who else can say that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to secure peace. Only the Prince of Peace can say that. The only lasting peace, listen to this, the only lasting peace we'll ever have in our lives or in the world is found in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Remember what the angels announced the night that Jesus becomes one of us, a human, a little baby, is born into poverty in this obscure village miles away from Jerusalem. The only reason we know about Bethlehem is because we sing about it in Christmas carols, but in that day, and even today, it's a pretty small little town. Luke records the eyewitness accounts like this. Luke chapter two, he says this. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appear with the angel, praising God and saying, this is a, a, like, I don't know how many angels, might've been hundreds or thousands, and it says this. They sing, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, what? Peace. This prince of peace had come, peace on those on whom his favor rests. It's, it's why he came. Not, not only for people in that day, but for you and for me. Peace and shalom for all who put their trust in him. Let me just be clear here. When we talk about shalom and Jesus coming as our prince of peace, he doesn't remove all of your problems the day that you put your trust in him. But he gives us peace in the midst of our problems and our crises and our disappointments to overcome anxiety. He, he meets our deepest needs and gives us a picture and a confidence that that he's bigger than anything we face. So what kind of peace does he bring? What does that shalom look like? Well, we said earlier, when you say shalom to someone, you're not just talking about, you know, like, hey, peace. You know, you're, you're talking about it's all-encompassing, every part of life. So here's a summary of what Jesus brought as sar shalom. Four areas that you and I need peace and four areas where Jesus provides peace. First, and you'll see these in your notes, from the scriptures, here's what we read. First, he provides us peace with our heavenly father, that Jesus overcomes the distance between us and God. If you ever feel like, man, God just feels so far away, and I don't, that, that Jesus came to bring peace between us and our father in heaven. Let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53, uh, you almost, it's 700 years before the time of Christ, but it almost feels like it was written after Jesus lived and died and came back to life. It tells the story of Jesus' atonement, that is his provision for our sins, our guilt, how he provides forgiveness, 
Let's read the first six verses here of Isaiah 53. Verse one, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord, that is his strength, been revealed? He grew up, this Messiah, before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment, here it is, that brought us what? Peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep, here's our problem, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What an amazing portrait of Jesus, right? You see what it says in verse five there about the peace giver? He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace. Jesus is the cure for every regret in your life, every bit of shame in your life. Jesus is the one that brings us peace with the God whom we know we've all failed. Received a letter from a person uh, who came to grips with failure in their own life. Here's what this person writes, young person, but listen to, the, listen to the shame. I'm 20 years old and I've reached a point in my life where I no longer want to live in sin. I've sinned in the past by participating in casual sex and binge drinking, but I want to change. I find it hard to accept that God may be willing to forgive my, me for my sins when I can't forgive myself. Are we supposed to feel guilty about our sins forever? Is this what God wants us to feel? How do we know that he has forgiven us? I want to be a better person. I'm just worried too much damage has already been done. Some of you are like, you know what, I could have written that myself. You feel shame? You're not at peace? Can I just speak to you a word for a moment? He asked the question, he says, does God want me to feel guilty about my sins forever? Absolutely not. Jesus is our peace, right? He, he wants to give you, not only does he want to give you freedom, peace from, from your guilt, he wants to bring you to a place of freedom from whatever habits you know, are, are tearing you down. You, you don't have to stay stuck. This past Thursday night, I met with some leaders from Seven Pillars, a sexual integrity group here at Grace that has dozens and dozens of guys. And this was just the leaders. And so they went around the table and they sort of just told their stories in brief. And I just, I came home and I was like, I told Mary, I said, I am so grateful for how Jesus sets people free. He doesn't just forgive us. He releases us from the chains that hold us down. I, I wanna tell you today, if that's you, and you're like, I don't think I'll ever be able to change. It's just who I am. It's, you know, it's in my, that's a lie from the enemy and Jesus can set you free. And we have new groups beginning for both men and women. And uh, it's in your online bulletin today. Just go to gracemate.org and click, it says online bulletin there and just scroll down and you'll see it. It's confidential. It's a safe place. We have so many people here 
who have said, I'm not just forgiven, I'm free. I'm free. And they're at peace because of what? Because of Jesus. That's what Jesus came to do. In fact, here in verse 6 in Isaiah chapter 53, it says, and the Lord has laid on him, this Messiah, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. That little phrase, on him, appears twice in verses 5 and 6. Our iniquity, our sin was put on Jesus. Our punishment was placed on him too. You know, sometimes you go, yeah, I took the fall for that. You know, I, you know they blame me for something that was somebody else. Jesus did it voluntarily. Jesus had all of your punishment and my punishment placed upon him so that we could be free and we could be at peace with our Father in heaven. Here's how the New Testament confirms this. It says in Romans chapter five, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have what? Peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Shalom with our Father in heaven. One of Britain's best-known secular humanists and novelists, Marganita Lasky, an atheist, said in a moment of surprising candor on television not long before she died, she said this. She said, what I envy most about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me. What a sad commentary, right? I have nobody to forgive me. And friends, that's precisely what the gospel is all about. That when Jesus came, and Isaiah 53 talks about it, Romans 5 confirms it, he comes and he, he takes our place as a substitute, and Jesus gives us peace. Shalom. It's the gift of Christmas. Another kind of shalom is, is this. It's peace within ourselves. Jesus lifts up our eyes, you know, beyond the relational tension and, and unexpected crises that come in life or physical suffering. That I, I want to ask you this. What would you say, this is your question, what issue in your life right now causes anxiety in your soul? We all have it. I've got it in my life. What for you would you say, when I wake up at night and it's hard to get back to sleep, here's what I'm thinking about. When I wake up in the morning, I'm in the shower, and I start thinking about it, I, I just get anxious about, about, about this. What would it be for you? I want you to listen to what Jesus says to those who trust him. This, this is for us. It's the night before he goes to the cross, and in John chapter 14, verse 27, here's what Jesus says. Can we, can we read this together aloud? You ready? Where it says, I am leaving. Let's read it together. Ready? I am leaving you with the gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Friends, that's the kind of peace. It's, it's not just peace out there. It's not only peace vertically with God, your Father. It's peace within. You might go, Jonathan, do you need that? Yes. Funny thing happened to me this week. Uh, I'm studying these passages, working on my message about, you know, like the second candle of peace and how it it responds to the anxiety of our world. And I had this cascade of issues this week of people going through hard stuff in their lives. And I end up doing a funeral and then I visit someone else and they die about 12 hours later. And then I had something every night and I began to feel anxious about my message on anxiety. 
How do you like that? And I'm like, Lord, you know, this is exactly what I'm talking about. And I, and, and it was, uh, it's, I can't tell you how many times, like I knew months ago what the topic would be for today. And how many times I, I, I'll be working on my message and I'll be just digging into God's word and it's almost like the Lord says, Jonathan, I wanna speak to you first. I'm still the one who can speak to the violent waves and the howling winds and say, peace, be still, and they listen. In your life too. I'm still the one, Jonathan, who when you come to me with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, I'm gonna give you a peace that what? Transcends understanding. Will you trust me? Do I need this as well in my life? I absolutely do. And it's what God wants to give. The Prince of Peace that he just says, will you invite me into your life to forgive you, to lead you, and to give you the peace that overcomes anxiety. And so I pray for you the verse at the top of your notes, my friends, what I've prayed for myself this week. Second Thessalonians, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. When? At all times. How? In every way. What a great prayer. Another way that shalom is expressed is this, it's peace with those around us. You know, Jesus, when he came, it wasn't only so my relationship with God, my Father, could be restored. It was so that the relationships around me could be restored as well. We have so much brokenness. Maybe you felt that last week at Thanksgiving or you're anticipating Christmas and you go, it's in my own family, it's in my own house. You know, Ephesians 2, listen to this, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. Listen to the miracle he did. He united Jews and Gentiles, that is Jews and non-Jews, into one people. In his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated, and friends, he's still doing it today, Right? He breaks down every wall of division that the enemy tries to set up. In in the Middle East right now, there are churches today where you have Israelis and Palestinians worshiping together. That's that's the power of Jesus Christ, right? Here at Grace, when when I, I we've prayed, God give us greater diversity. When we see people of lots of different colors and saying, Lord, this is this is beautiful to you. You love this. You've broken down walls. And he wants us to be agent of peace. Can I ask you this? If there's tension between you and somebody else today, Jesus died to to break that wall down. And here's the way the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 12. He says, as far as it depends on you, if it's at all possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with what? Everyone. Everyone. And friends, it's that kind of peace. When we model that together, people go, wow, there's something about, like, how do you, and it's, it's a, a beacon of light in a, in a dark world. So there's horizontal peace. I can be at peace with other people as far as it depends on me. There's vertical that I'm at peace with, with the Lord. There's inner peace within. And then there's something else here. One last one. There's there's a future peace, a peace that will happen in our world when Jesus arrives the second time. And I, I absolutely believe he will because Jesus has never broken one of these promises yet. 
And he is going to eliminate all evil and restore peace and perfection, shalom to all of creation. Here's what Jesus promises in John chapter 16. He tells his followers this, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Now listen again. He doesn't say all of those are going to melt away somehow in this life. Trusting Jesus doesn't mean a pain-free, suffering-free existence, but he does say this. He goes on and says, but take heart because I have what? Overcome the world. Take heart. Don't give up. The best is yet to come. Jesus will bring a forever peace. Even the lion, it says, will lie down with the what? With the lamb. The sense of shalom will be complete. Man, what a day that's going to be. Remember I told you the poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, which he wrote on Christmas Day in 1863 in the middle of the Civil War. And the one verse we read that said, and in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong. He closes the song on a different note because Henry was a follower of Jesus Christ. He ends with this confident hope that because of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, Sar Shalom, that peace is coming. So we can say with confidence, and here's the verse. He says, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? If you belong to Jesus, you put your trust in him, there is going to come a day when you will never be anxious again, ever. Won't that be amazing? You'll never have a meltdown, nor will the people you love, if they're believers you know, in heaven. No panic attacks, no sleepless nights, and you will live in a world where there's no divorce, no tension, no war, no making amends, and no regrets. Why? because you will have total peace, and it's all because of Jesus, right? And it can begin today, a portion of it anyhow. We can experience the peace of Jesus because when he comes, he's the prince of peace who comes into our lives, and here's what he's telling you and me today. I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So here's the question. Have you put your trust in the Prince of Peace? Let's thank him right now for what he's come to do. Lord Jesus, what a gift that you would come into our broken world, Lord Jesus, and, and become one of us so that in this anxious, broken, crisis-filled world that you could, you could just bring rivers of peace. Lord Jesus, I pray that for my sisters and brothers here, pour out your peace. Those engaging online, wherever they may be, Lord, would you pour out your peace into their hearts? We know that it says that the, the fruit of your spirit living within us is love, joy, and it's peace. So, Lord, we just invite you, your presence into our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, and may we be people of peace in this anxious world. Lord, we can't do it on our own, but we trust in you. And we thank you for how freely you give that peace, that shalom, and we pray in your name. Amen.
What a great Savior we have. Let's stand together and sing this hymn that declares that about his river of peace.